Good afternoon. Welcome to Newsbreak Talk today with me, Tadesh Hari Prashad, bringing you another issue to discuss, analyze and dissect. Thank you so much for your time and I really hope that you can spend enough time understanding what we're dissecting today. And yes, we do hope to hear from you so that you get to give your views a voice. Now, it's 20 years since one of the most crucial weeks was launched in South Africa. That's Child Protection Week. It's everybody's business and all children must be protected. But one in three children in South Africa fall victim to physical, sexual or emotional abuse before their 18th birthday. Police statistics show every three days a child is raped or murdered in South Africa. And over half of children, that's about 56% in Impumalanga and the Western Cape, report lifetime prevalence of physical abuse by caregivers, teachers and relatives. So I want to know, really, how successful has a campaign like Child Protection Week been? Now, I managed to find two girls who survived some harsh conditions and today are happily living with their families after they were adopted. 17-year-old Fatima and her younger sister Salma shared their story with me. I don't remember, like, challenges. I was very naughty, so I don't know, I think coming from... from the the streets and stuff to here i was very naughty so mm. i had to like adjust for my behavior and stuff yeah, yeah yeah i want to know a bit more about as you say coming from the streets maybe tell me that about that story that struggle how did you end up there and what was the circumstances um i was with my my, my mom so um we were in like a shelter and she had left me with these two other people and then my dad was doing work like helping people and stuff and he came into the shelter and stuff and he and he found me well uh, he says that i found him but yeah so that's how we met and everything how old were you i was two when i when i first like i first met him my dad so yeah Mm -hmm. so any recollection of that time of that difficult time in the shelter i'd imagine you were two so not too much I feel like I was too small. There is like memories and stuff. Like I still remember some things, but um, like I don't remember like full memories and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you found your dad, as you say. And um, what was the difference then? I mean, take me through your journey. You know, once um, you met Mr. Vandenberg, he would talk to me and we'd go out and we'd walk, but he always used to come. Um, to the shelter and I used to sit on his lap and stuff so I think that we were a family when we first started yeah Mm -hmm. and let's go over to you Salma and I I know if if she was to you a lot younger any recollection of the time when you were you know infinitely young not really I just remembered I was in a children's home up in Joburg for a while until Fatima obviously spoke about me and then they found me. Mm-hmm. A- any painful memory from that time, you know, that you've, y- y- you remember and it, and it still bothers you to date? Like sometimes I think, why was I the one that got left and not kept with my mom with Fatima? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think about that, but then I'm happy because I found my new parents that loved me so much. Mm-hmm. And Fatima, let's talk to you about this. I mean, you know, coming from that um, troubled beginning into a bit more of a structured environment, how would you encourage those who are, 
children who are going through some sort of challenge that the system can actually help you and if you you know work with it you can actually see difference in your life like i understand this there's, there's other like situations that are harder than mine and stuff um but i feel like um child welfare they know what they're doing like they know where they're putting you and um and it worked out in the end so i feel like it's worth like it's worth the fight it's worth that because i came from a completely different background and i'm here now with a future with my family and everything and it's loving it's amazing well that was the story of two girls who didn't have sufficient child protection and they were subsequently placed and they were fortunate enough to be placed into um the care of an adoptive family who's giving them a chance at life and that's a success story of child protection week that I felt was very necessary to share with you but but let's take it further let's understand it a bit more i also managed to speak uh to the adoptive parents of Fatima and Salma and Karen and Cecil Fandenberg Uh, an example of how important child protection is because these two South Africans simply couldn't stand by and watch Fatima and Salma live under those appalling conditions. I don't think it was a conscious decision for us to to do this. I don't think it's ever a conscious decision. We already had um three of our own biological children. So this was not something that we considered. It was something that just happened. Um and then after seeing the little girls and seeing the the desperate situation that they were in there was just no going back for us. Um we had things to offer them, we had opportunities to offer them that um if we hadn't have done it we don't know um where they would have ended up. It's not an easy journey. Um it's not an easy journey to take a child that has um been through a difficult background perhaps abandoned or um or or left to their own devices um it it takes a lot of effort on behalf of yourself and then the child to to um to cross the bridge from the hurt and the and 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 the anguish to a place of accepting what you're offering them and that is a difficult journey and it takes lots of hard talks and lots of honesty i think from both of you to get to the place where you are today so it's not it's not an easy journey but it is the most rewarding journey that we have taken you know every day i look at these girls and i just am blown away by what i see take me back to that time you know what did you find when you met this girl what was the circumstance um at that at that particular time um I was doing a lot of ministry to street shelters. Um it's places where people live on the streets and they if they can get um collect enough money during the day they will go into one of these shelters somewhere to sleep where it's dry safe sometimes they get a bit of food. Um and there's a whole lot of them that live together and the conditions there are are normally quite appalling. They 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 would have like in the instance where where she was with the folks that took care of her um there was about 50 of them and a shower and a toilet that seldom worked so it, it wasn't easy in there. um the people she lived with were also people from living on the street that were they were doing car guarding trying to make money and they 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 had the money that they made they had to get the shelter fee and they had to also pay for for Fatima to to be able to eat which wasn't a lot eh and um 
this this was like a daily existence. They would car guard, and she would be sitting on top of one of those power boxes in the in the sun, you know. So, um, what happened was um, we got to a point where um, we 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 saw each other quite often, and she would come and sit on my lap, and we would chat and whatever. And she always said, "Say to me, please take me home to your home." And um, yeah, my wife and I and our children we discussed. We spoke about it. The the option of of deciding whether or not to bring her home was taken away from us one evening when I got a phone call, and I was told that somebody was going to buy Fatima. They they were they they'd actually sold her, and the people that she was living with phoned me. They were desperate. So what I did was I went into town, put her in the car, and. That's, yeah, that was the beginning of the journey with, with the girls. I think in South Africa, you've got a, you've got a situation where child protection is, is on the wane. There's so much of children who are going through so much of, of destruction. Mm. So what advice would you give to South Africans to, you know, maybe not adopt and take in, you know, two girls into your home, but do your bit. Try and help a child become more protected in South Africa. You know, what would be your advice? We have an outreach on a Monday night at Gravel um, to the children who live on the point. We've been doing it for a couple of years. And um, we have a number of volunteers that um, we obviously screen and, and, and have um, fingerprinted to make sure that they're not in the register or that they're not a danger to the children. And they come down on a Monday night and they spend time with children. They don't necessarily have um, um, adults that are... are active in their lives to speak to. So they mentor, talk, have time, that kind of thing. So people will get close to two or three children and um, be able to speak into their lives and almost um, grow them um, or, or watch that there isn't any um, anything happening in their lives that should be. So my suggestion to people would be to get involved with organizations that are reaching out to children. Um, People often just need a friend. They just need someone who's interested in their lives and someone that's interested enough to give a couple of hours a week and, and invest in a child's life. So I, I think there's lots of opportunity. Hmm. Karen and Cecil Vandenberg talking about how they managed to make a difference in the lives of two young girls who weren't protected as children should be protected. Well, that's a lot of the uh, story that we brought you, the understanding of, of what children who are not protected are exposed to and, and the difference that you can make. Because ultimately, I understand that the point of this week is so that you can go about, make a difference, ensure that more children are protected. So we are going to be now talking to our guests today. And we've got Nokutula Kanile, and she's the head of Department for Social Development in KwaZulu, Natal. Ma'am, we thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And to also understand the kind of work that goes into the process of protecting children, we've got Lee Van Adams from Child Welfare Durban and District. Lee, we thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. So this is our conversation today. And remember, you're going to get the opportunity to give your views a voice in a short while. We'll be opening up the phone lines and you can have your say today regarding this very important topic about child protection. But let's begin our conversation now with Ms. Nokutula Kanyele from the Department of Social Development in KwaZulu-Natal. And ma'am, this is your campaign largely. It's, It's... a campaign that was started by your department 20 years ago. And when you look back at it, do you think it's been successful to go about protecting children of South Africa? 
No, thanks, Tarish. Um, from where I sit, you can look at it in various ways. But from where I sit, I'm of the view that it is successful. Mm. In the sense that, one, our communities are very much aware of the rights of the children. Our communities are very much aware of their responsibilities, particularly when they witness children being abused. Uh, when I'm saying communities, I mean households, I mean communities, I mean schools, stakeholders, everybody knows, uh, particularly because we have structures that are looking after children's issues in communities. And that you will measure, the success you will measure about the increase in terms of reporting of such incidences. Because issues that are having are happening in private homes, it's so hard to know, to measure whether you're going up or down. But because people are reporting, communities are reporting, then to me it's a success story. Mm. So you're saying but, it's a success, but I wonder how successful, because over 30% of children experience sexual and I, physical I, violence before I, they're 18. I was, I was then going to say that, but the numbers... Uh, that of the children who are reported and we do not know those that are not reported, then that is a worry. Mm. So that's why I'm saying that you can look at it positively, you can look at it negatively. It is a worry because uh, it says that uh, something is not happening uh, right in our communities, particularly in our homes, mm. because most of these abuses are happening uh, in, the, in the private space, yeah. And people who abuse children are usually people who are known, close related, and they are known to the children. And then it says that somewhere along the line, there is something not happening. There is something very wrong happening in our communities, mm. particularly in our households. So yeah. you can look at it on both ways. Yeah. But yeah. at least we are, we, we are happy that people are reporting. They are not sitting and, and being quiet, but we are mm. not happy about the increase because it then says that particularly and also um, we need to also look at it within context because when you look at the incidences of a uh, substance abuse in the communities these days which we usually attribute to at large as one of the main contributory factors it is a worry so you're saying it's a major ripple effect i want us to talk more about the process of reporting because there are some jarring numbers about cases that go unresolved and unsolved and we are going to be talking about that a little later but ultimately your job as a department is to create that social awareness about what is right and acceptable behavior you're saying this is taking place now in the homes which means possibly this message is not filtering down to where it's needed is that a concern for social development that you're unable to get that message into the discrete home where this is taking place uh, Tarash, i don't think we're unable to reach the people that want to reach but we are worried about the decisions that people make because it's a conscious decision that you make to, to abuse a child. But I don't think people who are abusing the child is because they don't know. They know our worry. It's largely people who are adults. Our worry is that it looks like it's only government and, and the and civil society. Uh, our partners, where we, people that we work with in terms of creating awareness, but individuals are not playing their part because as government and our NPOs and FBOs and all civil society, even media, we will do our part in terms of creating awareness. But people must take responsibility and protect the children, particularly those who abuse the children. So I, I don't think that the message we are not conveying, we are 
but is it received that is the it is received but are they are the people implementing what we are asking them to do that's the gap ultimately a startling indication that the message is communicated that child abuse is wrong people know it's wrong but they still do it now that's a very frightening thought and and i want to talk a bit more about that with levan adams from child welfare durban and district because ultimately you see this on a daily basis yes, you do. see this in homes you mm. go to homes and yes. you you look at the state of children is is that the reality that people know it's wrong they know that they could get in trouble for it they know there's legislation in place the children's act of 2005 could end up having these people you know incarcerated for it but they go ahead and still commit the violence is that is, is that the the situation on the ground um yes talking from the intake level you know we go into these homes and we find that they are aware of the the rights that the children do have but we also have to look at the factors that surround these i mean we've got we've got social economic factors that influence these types of abuse against these children you find that they are it's circumstantial neglect or you find that uh physical abuse is a a rippling effect of previous um relationships that parents had with their parents so it becomes a gener- generation upon generation um abuse cycle i mean we have to look at at these ro- that at these root um implications first because you know it is so widespread and the effects are so long lasting that i mean recently you know there were numbers coming through mm-hmm. where save the children south africa they did a study and and what they revealed was that uh, south africans who were physically abused as children earn on average 11.7% less mm. a month than someone who was not physically abused. Yes. So that is the impact and this is a major socio-economic problem for South Africa because the yes. more abused children you have, the more your economy is going to underperform. Yes. So in terms of getting that message across to families, perhaps who don't themselves have such a great intellectual understanding of these kinds of issues, how challenging is that for child welfare Durban and district? Well, basically child welfare has now we've implemented parenting skills programs where we go out and we uh, educate the parents of the different ways of disciplining children and not in the forms of it it comes across as physical abuse of the ways of uh, maintaining these children the the children's rights you know so we we are trying to implement educational awareness to the parents we're not only doing it with the children but also with the parents so there's a greater understanding Absolutely interesting our conversation today about child protection we're trying to understand why despite so much of um campaigns we still have to come here on a daily basis and report to you the dire state of uh child protection it's now time for you to give your views a voice that number is 089310 8789 i've got a panel of experts today helping me understand this process and this concept of child protection but it's not going to yield any result unless you give me a call that's 0893108789 we're eagerly awaiting your call today where you get to give your views a voice The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. It's almost half past 1 here on Newsbreak Talk with me Tarish. Let's go to our first caller today, Mrs. Sheikh. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Hi ma'am, go ahead with your with your thoughts. I just want to find out one thing. Mm. I'm a daily passenger that 
travels in the taxi and then out uh, in Alice Street. We had this guy that comes up to us, to the pair of people and worry them for money. But the baby is only like plus minus a year. How are they having children if they're living in the shelter? That's what I like. Mm. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Sheikh, for your call today. Let's go to Darren from Johannesburg. Hello, Darren. Hi, good afternoon, Darish. Thank you very much for taking my call. There's two things that I need to ask uh, to mm. add. Uh, one is that, you know, the, uh, the South African uh, adoption system is extremely rigid and very, very difficult to adopt children. And I, I'd like to know from the child welfare department, you know, I, I do know that there are procedures and processes. But why so rigid when you have genuine people who genuinely care about these abused children, who want to uh, uh, empower them and make their lives better? Can something be done about looking into that process? Two, the South African uh, Child Protection Unit. I don't know whether that unit is still in force or not, but I think that the South African Police Service itself does not have qualified personnel to deal with child protection abuse cases. Uh, because this is a highly skilled and highly sensitive situation. It's the same as rape victims as well. And I don't think we have suitably qualified individuals. And there, I think the South African Police Service, together with the government, need to come to the party and have a unit that can handle these matters head on and take the people to task. And the judiciary then steps in and enforces the law and makes sure that those perpetrators of the crime pay the price. And that is a way of setting an example to parents who think about abusing their children in the future. Thanks. Darren, we thank you so much for your call today. Well, remember, this is a crucial conversation that you need to have today. You need to give your views a voice and talk about how to go about protecting children within your community. Ultimately, it's it's the job of society in its entirety to ensure that South African children get the best possible quality of life imaginable because that's ultimately going to be taking South Africa forward. Don't forget the numbers 089-310-8789. I'm also on social media today. We're on Facebook. You can just search for me, Tarish Hari Prashad. Also, Newsbreak, our official page has uh, a post out where you get to give your views a voice. I'm eagerly awaiting to know what you have to say today. Now, remember, Child Protection Week runs up until tomorrow. So tomorrow is the last day um, for you know you to commemorate this particular campaign. Let's go to Selvin on the line. Hello, Selvin. Good afternoon, sir. Well done for that most important topic of the day. Mm. Tarish, I read WhatsApp messages and Facebook messages where there's one guy in the United States, he had CCTV cameras, and when he received, arrived home, he realized that the nanny has been vaccinating the baby. And uh, he actually assaulted her to such an extent she was incapacitated. Unfortunately, most parents are working and they have growing children. Uh, I'm just saying that while we protect children, we have to start at home where we find out if there's some procedure in ensuring that the nannies that look after children at home take care of them the way you would when you're not at home. That's one. Two is parents must now allow other members of the families to ensure the children are protected by growing up the right way, but not leaving them astray in supermarkets, airports, and play centers, and teach them not to get involved with strangers. Like I saw on WhatsApp where the guy was sitting in the park and playing with his WhatsApp SMS. The next thing he looked up, the child was gone. So very briefly, I'm saying, thanks to Lotus and Taresh and everyone for bringing up such a topic, and all the people of South Africa will adhere whatever you'll discuss today. Thank you, sir. 
Selvin, we thank you so much for raising those crucial points. Well, let's go to our panel today who's giving us expert advice on this crucial topic now of child protection. And I'm going to start with Lee Van Adams. Of course, Lee's from the Child Welfare Dublin District. Just based on what Darren put forward to us about the rigid process with regard to adoption, I mean, the numbers that I've, I've given you is startling and I don't really necessarily need to repeat them as to the amount of children placed in incorrect systems, placed in incorrect houses. But then you've got so much of South Africans who want to adopt a child, who want to give that child a better quality of life, but the process, according to people calling us today, is too rigid. How do you respond to something like that? Okay. Well, basically, the reason why this process is rigid is because, I mean, if you look at the high uh, statistics on human trafficking of children, as well as abuse in the households, um, we have now imp- uh, justice as well as social services have implemented whereby we have to we have to screen these parents thoroughly before these children are placed in these homes. Absolutely, and that's a crucial point, and yes. you must do that. But what about the case we spoke about just now with the Fundenbergs, when they intervened mm-hmm. and saved a child who was already bought? Had it not been for the Fundenbergs, I shudder to think what would have happened to Fatima. So I think there are some people out there who are trying their best to stop you know, um, incidents like this, but these are the people that are made and are screened a bit more and are made to almost be the bad guys in the situation. Do you think you're being too hard? But we, one of the key fundamental aspects of the Children's Act is that we have to ensure the best interests of the children. And as much as people might assume that we've been too hard on them, but we just want to ensure the safety of the children and the protection and their social well-being. Um, our main role is the children our main aspect is the children so now we uh, justice has implemented legislations and we have to follow those registrations according to the book therefore that's why our adoption team follows all legislations so that we don't have a backlash of uh, cases You know, one of the statistics coming through that we've been talking about today is that uh, uh, sometimes children are not in in the safest of hands with regard to caregivers and teachers. So many cases like that where teachers or caregivers themselves have been abusing children, Mm -hmm. either physical or sexual. Um, You know, what becomes an intervention? Because ultimately a parent thinks, okay, I'm putting my child at creche. I imagine this reputable, registered organization is going to give my child the best possible care. But then these instant incidences continue. So, you know, what becomes the mechanism to police this, to ensure that the people you trust actually do their job? Well, it, de- it depends because if it's in a school environment, um, schools have legislations which they implement. They, they, they check their uh, employees against criminal records. If it is, if it's in a home environment, I would advise parents to also ask their maids or nannies to go and get criminal records done, so they can see if there's any um, criminal um, cases made mm. against them. Mm. I mean, you have to ensure the, the the safety of your kids on all bases and at all levels. Yeah. Do you think people do that? Do they take it seriously? I mean, often, you know. Uh, I know it's a busy lifestyle and it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a difficult socioeconomic condition that parents find themselves and they have to go to work and they have to come back from work and prepare for work the next yes. day, right? But do you think that 
South Africans almost think that, ah, oh, it's just my kid and I think they're going to be okay. Do they take it for granted that their child is going to be protected? I well, when when, cho- when parents come into our offices and they say, "This is uh, my child has been abused," and I could I didn't expect that the person, the perpetrator, would have done that. We tend to find that parents um, they. They don't foresee what could possibly happen. They have this trusting mentality, you know. And so when it does happen, the parents are shocked themselves and they don't know which way to proceed. Well, we're going to go back to social development now and find out some thoughts on the way their campaign to get this message into society is working. But let's go quickly to the phone lines again. 0893108789. You can give me a call. Mrs. Governor has done so. Mrs. Governor, hello. Hello to you, Dinesh. Um, very, very um, important that you have this topic. And I think more oh. often we, we come on air like this, we, uh, we really get empowered. Uh, yes, Dinesh, it's... Uh, let me start on, uh, in, in regard to the child care um, uh, topic that somebody just mentioned. We have noticed uh, a lot of uh, places spring up, uh, sprung up uh, with uh, child care givers, uh, uh, you know, being employed. Have they been investigated? Are they, are they qualified to become caregivers? No. Even as um, the senior people, we, we notice. These people are not fully qualified and very apparently. I think uh, these the caregivers must be taken up and be resisted. The other thing I, I want to bring up is lots of white elephants that throughout the country, meaning temple churches and halls, are not used during the uh, five to six days, only on a Sunday. Why don't we convert this as an aftercare? Uh, you know, and our children will be well protected, kids, for so the homework being done and, and sort of like things like that. And uh, the teenage pregnancy also must be monitored and they have to bring this, uh, uh, you know, situation right down to nerve. Absolutely nerve. And the people who call it children's grant, they must be totally monitored. I've seen children walking miles and miles to Mm-hmm. And these uh, people uh, who collect the grant for them are using it just for themselves. Mm-hmm. Who are giving lunches and, and, and stuff like that? So what are they using that money for, for the children? The children are getting uh, sponsored books and uniforms and all. What are the grant money used for? Mm. Mrs. Governor, I think I'll leave it there with you. Mrs. Governor, thanks so much for calling us today. We appreciate your thoughts. Well, let's talk now to Ms. Nokutula Kanyela. She's the head of department of the social development uh, branch in Kozula Natal. And yes, Ms. Kanyele, I mean, the earlier we spoke about the system and, and of course, you know, when you and your organization create that awareness and create that mechanism of protection for the child, ultimately the criminal justice system has to ensure that they provide and supplement your work with more uh, protection, with more um, supplementation. But in terms of, of you know the numbers coming through, and this was the study done uh, specifically within the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal, only 35% um, of police dockets selected were still open two years after the initial report had been made. So I think in terms of your satisfaction with the way the criminal justice system 
does its job or helps you to do your job better? Um, no, thanks, Taran. Um, it, it's going to be hard for me to comment on the performance on, or of another arm of government. I think I think it will assist next time we come here because we had the similar problem last <laughs> we time. We did it the last time. <laughs> but uh, to, to but, update you, I did bring the National Prosecuting okay. Authority onto the show after we to talk about exactly what you um, what you spoke about, and uh, the response was that you know we need more case numbers to work with. But but in terms of how do you create that relationship, working relationship? Okay, uh, we, we in terms of the relationship, we do have a relationship. Uh, there are structures at a provincial level where the Department of Social Development, Department of Justice, Depart- uh, National uh, uh, National Prosecuting Authority, the various uh, NPOs that we work with on child protection, where we sit and discuss issues of children. Uh, with the aim being to unblock um, any... You know any delays that are happening in the system, whether it's working or not working. Obviously, you have read the numbers, and we've got cases. I remember there are two cases that we have discussed in your show. Uh, yeah. One there is a success story, and the mm. other one is delaying. So it, yeah. it varies. Yeah. Uh, I think it will assist really if we can come jointly, and then we discuss issues. Uh, in studio and out stud- outside of the studio because there, there is a concern. It's a perception, or mm. but they can explain it to us because I think as government, we owe it to the community right. to explain uh, the issue of case numbers. That's another story. I can't talk for them. Mm. But when people and the public is making inquiries, we need to answer to the people mm. because we, we are there to give yeah. service to the yeah. people. But well, it's an how, area of concern. How closely do you work with non-governmental organization like child welfare or various other organizations like that you know what is the level of commitment that your department has to ensure that you know um, as is often said by uh, you know senior government that all arms of society need to work together to stamp out this evil so how do you do that on a daily basis okay we we the issues of child care and protection are the business of government and they are the business largely of the Department of Social Development. And we work together with various NPOs, whereby one, we, we, we determine uh, to the NPOs in terms of the framework of the law, of the deliverable or the services and programs that we, we, we want them to implement. So, and, and then we provide funding, like a Deben Child Fair here, seated here, we work to the, uh, with them, we provide funding. They, I, I call them our implementing agents as government. So there's various other um, uh, NGOs uh, in the child welfare uh, field, child protection field that we work with. We provide funding, but over and above the provision of funding, we also monitor whether the, the services and the programs that we have asked them to implement on behalf of government are implemented. And I must, I must say um, that in Deben particularly, because that's where your engagement is, we, we, we usually don't have problems. We have a very good working relationship. We have our, our NPO forums. We engage with them. Where there are problems, we discuss and resolve issues. Mm. Yes. Mm. So we are talking about partnerships today here on Newsbreak Talk as we talk about what to do in order to protect children in this in South Africa from becoming victims of abuse and prejudice. Well, I also got a Twitter poll at Newsbreak underscore Lotus. Go ahead and vote. And I asked you an important question there on Twitter. Um, will a campaign or will this campaign go 
any distance in trying to stop child abuse in South Africa. I'd love to know your thoughts. You can vote. Of course, it's anonymous, so you don't have to worry about your name being revealed on air. Go ahead. I'd love to know, as a society, what you think about the efficacy of these kinds of awareness campaigns. And I'm going to give you the results of that poll in a short while as we wrap up our broadcast. Now let's go to Louis Pelé on the line. Mr. Pelé. Uh, good afternoon to you and good afternoon to the listeners. I think it's time now that we, we actually, community leaders, need to pull this together now. It's no use having uh, political leaders and councillors doing the job because they're not actually doing the job. If you take the case of Welbedat, now well, well, Welbedat is uh, one of the areas sort of lower than middle class. And, you know, Parents are selling the children for sex just because of money. And that, you know, is not called for. And in the primary school, we saw two girls living in the Welbedat area. They're staying in a micro bus. And the parents sell them to anyone just for money. And in the same area that I'm talking about, Welbedat, two guys were selling Dakar. And when little children grabbed the Dhaka, these guys came to actually stab the two little boys. And they actually ran up 751 to a Donbridge Primary School, and one collapsed. And, you know, if you look at it on those scales, I'm saying that children must be protected. And, we, and the principal and the teachers and the governing body questioned the child. They says, no, my actually parents, my brothers, all taking drugs. They take the Dakar, so that's why he stole it. You know, we have to protect our children in the long run now, from all angles, even selling the children for sex. Thank you. Mr. Play, thanks so much for your call today. Well, remember, you can give your viewers a voice. We're about to wrap up our discussion now. It's a quarter to two on Newsbreak Talk with me, Taresh. We're talking about child protection. What is the best practice to ensure that all children are protected? Give your viewers a voice today. Newsbreak talk with me, Taresh Haripashad, today. Let's talk to Levan Adams from the Child Welfare Durban and District. You know, we got a call through here from, from Mr. Louis Pillay talking about uh, situations in communities where it's so dire that parents are actually selling their children mm-hmm. under the age of 18 um, for sex in order to, for, for families to make ends meet. And you indicated what you see on a daily basis, but really, how how prevalent is this? Um, situation in the grassroots community where children are merely seen as commodities in a home, in a family? We, we, when we go into these communities, we find that, you know, the parents have internalized their previous upbringing from their parents and we would find that the parents were abused parents and then they just normalized the situation and they they do it upon their children and therefore it goes on and on and on. Um, basically, another thing is that we find that most of these cases are not reported. We, 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 we hear the community members say, but they come in, they give us information, but they don't give us 
the accurate information. So telling me this is happening, but not telling me where this child is or what's this child's surname or how I can get to this child. It becomes like a miscommunication. There's there's like a gap in between us and giving the service to these children. We have the service. We're willing to render these services. The problem comes where community members are too afraid to report accurate information to us or the children themselves refuse to report it to teachers or other people that are around them. Are you well resourced in order to do your job, to go into the community and make a difference? In Child Welfare Durban and District, we have sub-offices. And we, and each sub-office has um, areas in which we provide services to. So if a child is, for instance, from the Durban city area, we will immediately contact our sub-office or our main office who will initiate uh, intervention in that, in whatever happens. You know, I ask you this because... You know, it is said, according to the experts, is that early detection and therapeutic mm. interventions minimize long-term risks and they help yes. break the intergenerational cycle. And that's the major concern for any child who goes through abuse, that they will repeat it as they become older. Yes. So in terms of bringing this early detection and then the therapeutic intervention, you know, how crucial is it and really what do you do? Well, basically what we do is once... Uh, a case is reported to us. We do a risk assessment to see the safety of the child. We do counseling, and our counseling is intertwined with play therapy. If we find that the child is in need of, of, of care and protection, then we look at family preservation services. That's key. We have to keep the child within their community because children are more familiarized in their community. If we cannot find extended family that can assist to ensure the safety of the child, then we would have to look at alternative care and protection, which is place of safeties, which are called temporary care placements. If, for instance, while we, the child is in the temporary care placement, that we still can't find extended family or the parent that we're working with, which we are rendering family preservation services to, is still not able to provide a stable home environment, then the next step is we will have to finalize through Children's Court, Durban, or whichever um, service area you are staying in, we'll have to finalize for placement. But we don't finalize placement indefinitely. We're still working. Are these children happy? I know. Are these children happy? I mean, I know it's a absurd question mm-hmm. to ask, but I remember coming to one of your um, one of your um, awareness drives with, yes. with uh, Child Welfare Dublin District and. I was I was talking to some of the young people and, mm-hmm. and they're speaking and they're interacting but when you look at them and you look into their eyes it's a lot of sadness it's a lot of uncertainty it's a lot of anxiety in those eyes mm. and I want to ask you you know do you get those that 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 work with the system that have the energy to work with the system you know to create that that vision of hope of joy or are they just too traumatized you know to to actually take it forward. In terms of the children or the... The children, the, the children chil- that you place in houses of safety, you know, what do they go through? You know, do they have the energy and the drive to say, I've been through this challenge. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me work now and, and, and make something of my life. 
Well, the children, what we do is we always, there's always ongoing counseling with the children. We never just put them in the children's home and we leave them there. No. We're always monitoring there's a constant monitoring of their development because children have to be worked with holistically. Do people get that? Do they understand that? That this is not just, oh, it's just a child, it's okay, they'll be all right. It's more crucial when a child is going through a trauma than when mm. an adult is because what they go through in early childhood development stays. It's embedded into the yes. psyche of a child. Does society get that? I, well, I can't answer for society mm. because maybe some do and maybe some feel that with us taking the children away from their parent that we are being patrol or policemen that are taking children away from their homes. They don't see the necessity to ensure the safety of the children. Mm. Um, But others do. The ones that report the matters, they do see that necessity. severity of it. But let's go to our phone phone lines now. I think it's our last batch of phone calls today on Newsbreak Talk with me. Tarish Anonymous is on the line. Hello, Anonymous. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, I just want to ask, I don't know whether I'm in the right topic or not. Mm. There, there's a couple that's making the children beg outside Phoenix Plaza at the KFC Robots. The child is between four to six years old. The same thing happens at where former trade center was. The same thing happens. There's a child begging for the parents allowed. Four to six years old, the mother holds on to the child. Can something not be done while Phoenix Police Station is there? Phoenix Child Welfare is on right now to stop this. Please, mm, I'd mm. appreciate that. Thank I, you. I understand your, your concern. Okay, it's 089 We are wrapping up our conversation today on Newsbreak Talk, and you can give your views a voice. We're speaking to Vincent Chetty. Now, hello, Vincent Chetty. Hello. Uh, thank you very much for inviting the topic. Mm. Uh, what I would like to uh, mention, you know, uh, also sometimes you get a doubt who actually leave children, I don't in a rural area, uh, the way they dress very revealing, little ones walking on their own, and this actually gives the others a chance, it does probably be under the influence of his son, to get involved with these little girls and so on. So what I was thinking there, uh, also parental guide is very important, because so recently we had one of our newspapers, local newspapers, in Koshetsin, a 93-year-old man, raised a seven-year-old girl. Mm. And the reason is the mother left the child with a neighbor. Now, what happens there, you see how much better is the parents dress the children appropriately, not neglecting them. There are many, you'll notice, the remote area, walking alone from one end to the other. Okay. Mr. Chetty, I get your point. You're talking about... um Appropriate behavior with regard to children. I don't think, though, and I'll ask my experts, but I wonder, you know, irrespective of where you walk and what you do, I don't think that. Um, I mean, let's talk about what Vincent is talking about, uh, Miss Kanile from social development, you know, about, you know, the rights and, you know, with rights come responsibility. So, what is the responsibility of parents and even children themselves to ensure that they safeguard and protect themselves from becoming victims of abuse or, you know, crime? What can a child do to protect herself from a a, a person who is an adult? A child is a child. It is our responsibility as adults to protect the children. What can a child do? Mm. What can a a three-year-old do to protect herself from from abuse? Exactly. And and to me, let's take responsibility Mm. as adults. Let us protect our children. Yeah. 
you because know, otherwise the, the message then we are going to be conveying is the message of blaming the children and what right. uh, Miss Adams was saying that other children yeah. feel uh, so shy or afraid or yeah. scared to report because they've been made to feel like they are they have caused right. the so then it's uh, you know you create this mindset where you're living in a perpetrator's world so you'd rather be on the lookout for a perpetrator as opposed to diminishing the perpetrator from yes. society but we're running out of time now and we need to wrap up our conversation uh, just a quick one I, th- I actually think I'm gonna save that one day for for Lee so I'll, I'll ask her that just now but Miss um, Kanile you know and, and I know one of the biggest goals and one of the biggest um, you know direction for South Africa and all government departments is to take South Africa forward with regard to the NDP but when you you know and, and it's that it's that figure I was giving earlier where um, those who have been raised in in abused homes they earn on average 11% less than other South Africans you know how big is this issue of abuse and neglect that society needs to understand, that South Africa needs to understand, if it wants to achieve the goals of the NDP? Um, I'm not going to lie. The problem is big, and it is worrying. Because mm. when we're talking about children, it's not just about the child, it's about the future of our country. We are, we are, we are destroying our own future as the adults of today. So it, it's a problem that is so worrying. But what I can really encourage, and I'm, I'm so glad because I was listening to uh, the callers, and, and most we are not in a situation where people are now blaming government, they are blaming the NGOs. Almost all the callers are saying, let us take responsibility. Yeah. Let the people change let their the mindset. Let the people change their mindset because yeah. they on, we all know what we are supposed to do. And 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 probably if I can mention that um, the the Mr. Pillay, I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's people like uh, Pillay that you just want to encourage them. But when they see these incidences, please report to authority. Yeah. Let's not wait for the talk shows. Mm. Let's report to authority. There is our office. We have an office mm. as the Department of Social Development uh, in 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 Chatsworth, where Welpatach is falling under. There is also Chatsworth Charred Fair. There is also mm. Devon Charred Fair in, in Chatsworth. There are police. There are structures. There is a councillor. Can Mr. Pillay and everybody else who is witnessing report at least to somebody? Just so that's what I want to include. Yes. Well, I think that's a wonderful note to end that conversation there with you. Report it to a society. Get involved. But let's wrap up quickly with Lee Van Adams from Child Welfare Durban and District. A very quick one. The thing about... Uh, you know, children and families begging with the four-year-old or three-year-old with them in these places that they shouldn't be. I mean, how do you police something like that? Okay, well, basically, with us, we, it's, it's, we have previously, we have tried going in and removing the children because according to the Children's Act, the children are placed in an exposed to harmful situation in a harmful environment however it's when we do go in we find that the parents become violent towards us as social workers so um the if the caller that called in uh can note that if he does see again a child standing with a parent report it to metro police because they're the ones that are going in and they remove the children and then they refer it to us. I understand completely. Well, ladies, we have to end our conversation and it's, it's sad that we don't have enough time as we normally don't. But thanks so much for your time today. We've had Nakutula uh, Kanile from the Department of Social Development and Levan Adams from Child Welfare Dublin District. Ladies, thanks. Thank, Thank you, you very for much. having us.
Well, just to remind you, though, that the DA's Helen Zilla has been suspended from all party activities until the disciplinary hearing against her is complete. So it's confirmed by Musi Maimane at a media briefing. Now, this is to do with the controversial tweets that Zilla put up about colonialism. So you can stay tuned for more about that. From me, Taresh, hey, have an awesome day. This broadcast came away courtesy of the team, senior producer Genevieve Lanka and Rachel Vadi. We're back tomorrow for Comrades Marathon. Listen up then. From me, Taresh, hey, have an awesome day.